0: Personal coach and trusted attorney, Andrew Lee, who will help you get started in building your real estate empire, grow your self confidence, find your grit, and get the skills needed to dominate the real estate world. This is Real Estate Investing with Andrew Lee.
1: Welcome back. Welcome back to the LeeBcast. I'm so delighted, Lauren, because you know why? Everyone's got perspectives out there because we were talking about ethics before we went into the break. We were talking about how real estate brokers, salespersons, associate real estate brokers are now going to be required to take an ethical business practice course. And when you talk about ethics, everyone has their own shtick. Everyone has their own belief. And one of the things I believe, Learn, is that no one's wrong. You know why no one's wrong? Because they're right for them. The issue where they become problematic is where they project and affect other people. And so what we need to do is we need to have a forum to discuss these things. And that's how laws are made. Isn't what we said before the break that you got to know what the laws are and you have to exist within the laws when you're doing ethical discretion. But when you're going to change the laws... That's when ethical discussion and discourse happens. And I'm so excited because uh, I said to you, you know, my sister lives on the Upper West Side and we're in the city all the time. And I remember when it used to smell when you would go into the city. It would, you'd have to hold your nose when you'd come on the, the you know, the um, people that would, what do they call it, the bridge and tunnel crowd we would come through the city from Long Island or uh, Gary, I think he's from New Jersey. You, you'd be holding your nose when you came in. And now the Upper West Side is glorious. It's sparkling until recently. And so this group came together, Lauren, the Upper West Siders for Safer Streets. They're almost at 10,000 members. In fact, I think it was yesterday. I don't know. I think they created a new organization, of 501c4 called the West Side Community Organization, which is united to keep. The Upper West Side neighborhood, safe and protect our quality of life. That's what they're saying over there. So, what I got, without further ado, is I'm not the expert on this, but someone who's living it day by day knows all the stuff about it. I got I got a great guest online. His name is Gary Kokolari. Gary, how you doing today?
0: I'm doing very well. Nice to speak with you.
1: Such a pleasure. So you said something on this Upper West Side group that got our wheels kicking. And we were very interested in this because, you know, this is a real estate show. You said Upper West Side apartments have depreciated from 12% to 34%, depending on neighborhood, according to a report published last week by City Realty. You put that out there. Tell me about what's going on.
0: Well, it's not a big secret. We've had... uh the city dropped 500 homeless men in uh, three area hotels. The Lucerne, one of which is right on my block. Um, you know, the 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 men that they put in there, some of them were sex offenders, some of them were substance abusers, some of them were mentally unstable. So you 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 put people like that in a neighborhood, which is which before then uh, was one of the safest neighborhoods in Manhattan. Uh, it creates a it it. it Disturbs the echo balance, and all of a sudden, you have guys that are getting very aggressive. One guy punched a guy sitting at a cafe last week. We have women being harassed. We have women walking down the street with their children that are being harassed, and it's created what you know what I described the other day as a palpable fear in the neighborhood. People just don't want to go out, particularly in the evening. So again, it's a, there's a there's a, a a cloud of fear that's come over the neighborhood, and obviously with that. Uh, it's not. It's not as if people are going to want to. First of all, COVID in itself created a problem with respect to real estate values, but this is not helping. It's not helping the marketability of apartments. So it's going to, in my opinion, create a further downdraft in real estate values.
1: So I want to go into those real estate values, but I just want to point out, you're mentioning Lucerne and you said there's two other hotels in your area. I went and contacted the New York City Department of, uh, what is it, Homeless Services, and they're telling me there's 139 commercial hotel locations citywide. So why is the Lucerne the one that's sticking out to you?
0: Well, that's where the highest concentration was. There were almost 300 of them placed in the Lucerne.
1: Oh, wow. So 300 of them meaning homeless people?
0: Uh, that's correct. The homeless men, homeless men, again, many of whom had substance abuse problems, uh, as well as having uh, mental disorders.
1: And how do we know they have mental disorders or substance abuse problems? Like, has there been a study done? Has anyone with a degree to know this? Or is this just a sheer anecdotal observation?
0: I think it's a combination. So... This is what we've been told in terms of a um, – we had a conference call with Gail Brewer uh, about two we- uh beginning of August. And just to
1: cut you off, so if people don't know, Gail Brewer is the Manhattan Borough President. Is that correct?
0: Right. That's correct. Okay. So tell um, me one. Helen Rosenthal was on that call. Uh, incidentally, they claimed they knew nothing about this. It was It was dropped on them which I find very hard to believe. People know that they're very close to de Blasio, and if he did that without telling them, well, that, that's not a great friend to have, quite frankly, because then he stabbed them in the back. So either they're lying or they get stabbed in the back, so I don't know which one it is. So I
1: like you wrote this letter to Gail Brewer. You actually put it up on um, the Facebook group, and you, you wrote this, I just hope the tab for any minibar chargers they incur won't be picked up by New York taxpayers. I imagine that was tongue-in-cheek, like as a bit of a joke, right?
0: Well, I, I would hope they took the mini bars out of there. If they had substance abuse problems, not a good idea to put alcohol in front of them. Um, you know, and you mentioned putting them in luxury hotels. Uh, you have to think about what the cost of this is. The if uh, you need to take the cost of the room, the cost of the services to supervise the men, uh, for security uh, services, any medical attention that's needed. You know, I don't know the exact number because uh, it hasn't been disclosed, and we'd like to see that contract between the hotel owners and the city. But if you use a, a figure of $350 a day to cover the cost of the room uh, and the other services required to keep those men, and you extend that out times 500, that's $175,000 a day. If, there's, if, they're for a, if, they're there, if they are there for a year, that's a cost of $64 million a year.
1: Is that more than putting them somewhere else? Because I imagine they need these exact same services somewhere else. So are you saying that um, this cost is too much? Are you saying where they're putting them is too much? What are you saying here? Because aren't the homeless population going to need services, whether it be social work, psychiatric, whether it's going to be interventions for health, whether it's safety, no matter where they are? And don't we have a homeless plight going on?
0: Well, I'm saying that that's an awful lot of money. And I think that if uh, some intelligent people with creative minds put their heads together, they could come up with a better solution that's better for the homeless in terms of addressing their problems as well as the neighborhoods where they've been placed.
1: So I guess what I'm asking, though, is are you saying that it's more expensive because they put them in the Upper West Side because the Upper West Side is more expensive? Or are you saying that the actual overall program for homelessness is a problem? And if so, what is the problem?
0: Well, I think it's both. I think, first of all, it could be done more cost-effectively if they came up with another solution. And, and obviously, any attempts they've made to try to alleviate this problem and deal with the homeless issue and deal with the problems that these men, and not just men, men and women that are homeless are facing, has been completely ineffective. And, uh, you know, we're still waiting for them to do something that will, uh, uh, again, help those people, which is important, and also not damage our neighborhoods.
1: Gary, I'm, I'm not trying to come at you with this. I'm just trying to really understand. You use the word another solution again. And what I'm trying to do is unravel what another solution means. Does that mean move them to Alaska? Put them on a boat and move them to Alaska. Does that mean that we should have different people overseeing the public health intervention? Does that mean that we should be doing? And I think that, um, the, Department of homeless services is very keen on doing this about doing services to avoid homelessness prevention in the first place. What are you suggesting? So let's imagine that King Gary comes to town and they say, Gary, we want you to be in charge of the department of homeless services. What would Gary have them do?
0: Well, I think, uh, that's a, that's a multifaceted question and a multifaceted answer.
1: Well, the same so, question is, what does another solution mean? I just right. articulated so it further. I think,
0: I think in terms of solution, there's a, there's, a, there's a few levels here. We first have to deal with the immediate solution. Uh, obviously, the best in terms of the neighborhood and the quality of life and real estate values would be to remove them. We know that that's not going to happen very quickly. So what do we do with them? Uh, one thing we could do with them, at least, te- first of all, temporarily, they... We should get some guarantees from the city that there will be no further relocation of homeless to the Upper West Side, that um, they will cap it, that it is indeed temporary. One second, let's stop should, there, because you're no. saying
1: you want you want them to say that there will be no more relocation of homeless to the Upper West Side. Is yeah. that only the Upper West Side? Do you want to capped in overall in a neighborhood? Meaning, well, are we going to discriminate and say, hey, the Upper West Side doesn't need it, but the, uh, the, uh, we could go to Chelsea? We can go to Midtown. We can go to the Bronx. Like what, it, Is it just the Upper West Side, or are you proposing? Well,
0: obviously, obviously, I'm biased and that I'm speaking about my own little microcosm, but my guess is residents in other communities are going to feel the same way.
1: Well, I would and guess whether that.
0: It's the, whether it's the Upper West Side, and by the way, it would have the same impact on real estate values, whether it's the Upper West Side, Chelsea, or the Upper East Side.
1: Oh, 100%. So, and so my question is, when you're saying that, just so we're clear, you're saying that each community should have a cap and we should be able to spread out the wealth.
0: Well, there should be a cap. There should be, um, uh, uh, there should be aggressive policing of those facilities. We're, start, we're starting to see more um, activity with respect to police. And unfortunately, they've had the guardian angels have come in to do a job that the police should have been doing.
1: What does aggressive policing mean?
0: Well, you know, for instance, I, I was involved in cleaning up a situation on my own block going back uh, over 20 years ago, where we had an SRO where there, was, there were crack vials in front of the building every day, there was a shooting in the building, the police were constantly being called to the building. And one solution we came up with, and again, this was under the Giuliani administration, is that the 20th Precinct uh, began policing the interior of the building. They would show up unannounced and walk the building, and they would also show up in front of the building so the... The, the residents of that building and the drug dealers that dealt in that building and the substance abusers knew that there was a police presence, and that did a lot to chase the, uh, uh, the bad elements away.
1: So just so I'm understanding, aggressive policing to you means that the people that are there know that there's a police presence? That's right. Okay. So what I want to do though because I'm loving what you're saying and I'm learning a lot, and I think it's important and Gary, I want everyone to know the reason we're having you on is you wrote five recommendations to the honorable Gail Brewer and some of them are really useful and I want people to understand that Gary, just like this community is trying to solve a hard problem and there aren't good solutions, there's just problems and we're going to try and put our heads together for ethical business practices. You have to stay with us after the break because we have to go to commercial, but we need Gary back after the break. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. This is the LeapCast.
0: Have you ever dreamed of owning a rental property, flipping a home, opening a successful business? This is Real Estate Investing with Andrew Lee.